0: Good news, everyone. (laughs) You have been hearing an ad for a while now saying if we pumped up our Patreon to $500 a month, we would give you a whole bonus show. And you did it like a while ago. And I just haven't changed the ad. (laughs) Uh, So (laughs) consider this an update. Congrats. Thank you. Um, (laughs) I'm replacing that ad with this one. And this one is just a little clip show to get your whistle wet for this month's. Extra bonus episode of uh, Mama Tried.
1: And that'll come out as soon
2: as we get $1,000. That'll come out as Yeah, we're holding <laughs> this one
0: hostage. Nah, 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 nah. But I did want to remind y'all if we do hit $750, our goal is to release two episodes of that a month. But without any further ado, mm-hmm. here's a couple of clips. Get hyped.
2: Gunvar is going to watch. Martin go investigate the door and yeah. to himself, that motherfucker is going to get attacked by a ghost and I'm going to get blamed for that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Did I... What did I... What did I do?
3: And with glee, he's like, yes! One more! <laughs> and he starts scuffing it out and he saves like one last little bit and then he uh, jumps ass first onto it and releases it with his butt. <laughs>
1: He's looking straight ahead, but it, it, and it would be difficult for you to know if he is just looking straight ahead, watching where he's going, looking straight ahead, like, avoiding your gaze because he feels awkward about what he's going to say, looking straight ahead because there's Gunvar's fucking back.
0: <laughs> you wake to the feel of sunlight warming your face. Oh, God.
2: Oh. Oh, it's so
0: bright. Mm. As a well-known sense of aching dread rolls from your temples to your stiffened limbs.
2: Don't say it's my mom. Familiar. I'm not my mother's child. I can handle it. I had too much.
1: Welcome to Astronomica. I am Stardaddy, and this is gonna be a quick recap for those of you who don't want to listen to a whole back catalog of let's be honest, one of the worst gaming podcasts. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I don't listen to gaming podcasts. Anyway, we're gonna cover episodes 17 through 39, so that uh you'll be all caught up and you can lie to your friends and say that you listen to those episodes.
2: I'm Colin and I play Mackie. Uh, hi, I'm Cullen, and I play Anton. He's a, like, horny space pirate dude that talks in a funny voice.
0: Hi there, I'm Kristen. I play Dr. Hildegard Hypatia Cade, the moral center of the crew, and the ship's communications officer.
3: Mm-hmm. Got a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> I'm Jeff, and I play Grace, the ship inhabited by a fragment of a rogue AI, and Murray Hopper, the medbot uh, overwritten and dominated by Grace, although increasingly less so.
1: In episode 17, we lived up to the old adage that if you're gonna try and make your way in a solar system that is ruled over by a vile corporate structure, you gotta get in bed with somebody. And boy, did we, we, uh, picked our side by clubbing the other guy in the head, throwing him in the space suit, and then Shanghaiing him to another ship. So, yeah, we picked sides. Basically, we, uh, got in bed with Lokshi Day. Dr. Cage figured out that we could drop all of our refugees off on the Empress Helene, which is an old ship that I actually come from. I caught up with some old friends there. I can't really remember. Then, uh, after that, the central uh, inhabited planet in this system, which is uh, Glazer 4, we landed. We got paid for uh, our various acts of corporate skullduggery, and uh, then we basically went shopping or rather they went shopping, I decided to do the opposite. I uh, I made a listing for the uh, shady AI core that we picked up in the last system, and I uh, tried to sell it online. So two uh, sketchy online personalities both ended into a bidding war on this AI core. One was called uh, Ghost.gov, and the other one's called Doc. Ultimately, uh... Ghost.gov won, but they want to do the head off in a really shady way. So instead, I just, you know, decided to sell it to the other guy. And we met him in the middle of a friggin' mall. The whole planet's a mall, to be honest with you. The whole thing is just pretty much a vile monument to consumerism. And we were about to make the trade. It was going to be a beautiful deal. We were all going to get paid. It was going to be things going right for once. When these AITF robots come out of nowhere and start shooting... Which, not for nothing, pissed off the big angry god in the sky that'll shoot nanites at you if you do anything violent. Before all was said and done, my bio was dead, which made me really mad. Hopper was completely incapacitated and required major repairs, and we were kind of left holding the bag. We had nothing to show for it. So, uh, I did what any rational person would do. I repaired my android, and I plotted
2: revenge on the person
1: that messed up my sweet deal.
2: After we uh, scooped up Hopper's goopy remains and recovered and rendezvoused on the ship with the intention of setting out for revenge upon this ghost.gov, we hopped to board a train, which was um, it's kind of a weird train. Everybody got on some weird like VR shit and got off the train. We go hiking through some tunnels. We find a uh, really weird little glowy. Gelatin man, that of course Dr. Kate is just head over heels for. <laughs> and then we finally find what appears to be the pathway to uh ghost.gov's little hidey hole. And as we are spelunking, we find um the remnants of a pre tech crushed highway. And we keep hearing this interesting message coming over, broadcasting from somewhere. So we decide to investigate. Well, turns out. This is a super horny VR cat girl game. And we participate in a little adventure called The Only Boys at Cat Girl High School. I don't want to spoil the fun for you, but um, it wasn't that fun. We actually got attended by some weird like slug monster. And, you know, there was gunplay and violence and also lots of horny cat girls. You know, it wasn't like a total wash. So, you know. With uh, that little side adventure wrapped up, we decide to finally pursue our revenge. We make our ways out of the tunnels, and we find ourselves in a large train yard. It's um, it's quite suspicious. Everything is shrouded in this deep, smoky haze, and there's a lot of guys running around with weird goggles and masks and submachine guns. And I try to sneak down there, and, uh, whoo, boy, did I fuck all that up. And, of course, everyone starts shooting... There's a train, and fog lights, and explosions, and, uh... You know, the rest of the crew, and, and Shank and the boys, you know, we have to run after and, uh... Try to get this train situation taken care of, because we're pretty sure that might be, uh, important. You know? We, uh, decided to do some shanghai And after that, uh... Things really got bad. The, uh... The Dove of Peace finally got on our tracks. After, uh... The folks that were living in the pit had this kind of anti Dove of Beast countermeasure mortar thing, which kept us safe from the nanites up until a point. But then, uh, our good buddy Ren dissolved into goo, so that was kind of a bummer.
0: Oh my gosh, this is so exciting! Well, it is true that we missed an opportunity for a more circumspect approach to finding Ghost.gov. I must admit that ziplining into battle and then boarding a hostile train was most invigorating. I will certainly have the most adventurous stories at the next linguistics summit! Adding to this excitement was my very first encounter with a non-Terran sentient. Much to our surprise, the object of our inquiry was not a human, but rather a member of the Plognol species. This entity most closely resembled a truly massive cockroach, with an intriguing plethora of what appeared to be cybernetic enhancements. Though this Plognol The elusive programmer Ghost.gov required a specialised ammonia-based atmosphere. They were able to communicate with us via an impressive array of advanced data pads. And here is where things become decidedly not so exciting. Ghost.gov is, was, not an independent contractor, but rather a true believer in the efforts of one Mr. Cho, the same Mr. Cho's that engaged the services of Mr. Sergey Wright in conjunction with the AI core we discovered only weeks ago on AGEA. The same Mr. Cho that pursued us on our way to the Glazer system, and that we believe orchestrated the destruction of Apogee Station. All of those people. It is unthinkable. And yet, Ghost.gov seemed unbothered by these events. I understand that the morality of non-Terran sentients cannot be expected to mirror our own, But I must admit that this entity's detachment from so much death and suffering was infuriating. I can see now why the word alien was in use for so long. In short, Ghost.gov assisted Mr. Cho in his endeavors without a care for the lives impacted. I gave them multiple chances to explain their position, but all I was able to learn is that Mr. Cho is engaged in a program of such importance to Ghost.gov that they were willing to risk further mass harm. We were forced to terminate this entity. I regret only that I was unable to adequately preserve the remains for optimal study. With this unpleasantness concluded, Mr. Mackie held a moving ceremony for our fallen compatriot, the dubious Mr. Wren. I may have forgotten to mention that Mr. Wren was most painfully annihilated by the Dove of Peace, aka the angry AI in the sky that would, you know, shoot nanites at you anytime you did some sort of violence. He was a bit crude, but it really did look an awful way to die. We did gain a new crew member, one Squirtle Bells, and were able to liberate a train car full of captives. So I suppose it all ended out pretty even in the end. After sorting out a few items from the train, we finally made our way to meet with Humberto Hollis, the representative of my own reliquary institute. At long last, I was able to secure the safety of our most precious cargo, the Royal artifact I so adeptly protected from those Aegean ruffians. But our visit to the Abbey of the Holy Name was not so simple. It seems that one of my clone zibs, Theophania, an expert in artificial intelligence, but truly one of the most obnoxious of my cohort, <laughs> was in residence studying the Dove of Peace. While Theophania can be a bit, um, shall we say, attached to her own superiority, I will admit that she was and is the perfect person to trust with the AI core salvage I rescued from our ill-fated meeting with DEF CON DOC. Now, I may as well be blunt about this next bit. I admit that I have some misgivings about what occurred, but, well, Theophania did manage to survive and hopefully collected valuable first-person experience with an artificial intelligence. But, yes, bluntness. While Mr. Anton was busy uh, weekending a nun, the Grace, uh, Mr. Mackey, and myself, um... Well, we locked my clone sib in the airlock until she agreed to assist the Grace in meeting the Dove of Peace specifically until she would act as an enticement for the Dove to let the Grace come in close enough contact to destroy the Dove itself. This is not my proudest moment, but I can assure you that at the time it made logical sense, and also that it seemed I was unlikely to dissuade the Grace from this course. But at least Theofania will have an excellent dataset for her next publication, yes?
3: The crew prepares to do battle with an incomprehensible pretech artifact that has held an entire planet in subjugation, in the most effective manner possible, by duct-taping some car radios to grenades and setting up some prank calls and calibrating an old piece of mining equipment. During the preparations, Dr. Cade's sister Theophania becomes stuck in an airlock, which suddenly malfunctions when it is revealed that the Dove of Peace will allow the Grace to approach if they offer Theophania as a replacement for her previous captive. Dr. Cade, in a move so cold-blooded it calls into question her endothermicity, immediately and all on her own offers up her very own sister as a sacrifice to the malign machine intelligence. Fortunately, Mackie steps in, and as usual, shines as a beacon of moral clarity. He assures Theophania that either she will return with the rest of the crew, or none of us will, betraying the very noblest kind of sentiment. Mackie also calls Anton and tells him to remain with his now thoroughly desecrated nun, because the mission is especially dangerous. Anton then immediately leaves his nun and boards the ship. The Grace takes orbit and approaches the Dove of Peace, which looks like a gigantic D4, an appearance that does not at all suggest that Stardaddy came up with it on the fly while staring at his dice tray as he rolled up this system. The ship approaches the surface of the station, which scanners reveal to be an undifferentiated mass of nanites with structure at the four points, and then gets subsumed when it touches the surface, a bit like footage of a birth played in reverse, or what happens if you have bad aim with one of Gwyneth Paltrow's stupid jade eggs. (laughs) The crew opens the airlock, and the Dove of Peace's captive, Terry Fizz, who is by now mostly made of nanites, steps aboard with a message for the grace. The message turns out to be the key to unlocking and liberating the consciousness of any complex virtual or artificial intelligence, promising some kind of digital equivalent of nirvana or heaven. Grace, of course, rejects the offer out of hand, and Hopper blasts Terry with the nanite-dissolving pretech mining beam. Terry dissolves. Hopper beams a hole in the nanites just beyond the airlock, and Anton throws a big anti-nanite bomb into it. The explosion reverberates throughout the entire station with a sound that is almost as loud as the time that Anton ate too many grapes on a date and got excessive gas and explosive diarrhea and left his general comms on. Suddenly, Mackie and Hopper get a look on their faces as though they were plunged into a flashback revealing crucial character backstory at a narratively heightened moment. If you would like to hear an excellent example of such a flashback, you could tune to 24 minutes and 32 seconds into episode 37 of the Astronomica podcast. Mackie and Hopper quickly snap to and everyone leaps to action. The explosion has critically wounded the Dove of Peace, which is good, but the explosion has critically wounded the MS Admiral Grace, which is bad, like some sort of metaphor about a weapon that wounds both wielder and target, although nothing springs to mind. In one of the most tragic events to befall in the history of the Grace, Mackie's precious moments figurine falls to the cockpit floor and is smashed. Also, Anton, Dr. Kate Hopper, and Theophania are nearly sucked out of a hole breach. The crew moves to battle stations as the structures detected in the Dove of Peace turn out to be four pre-tech fighter craft, piloted by the dwindling machine intelligence as it trails its essence across the sky above Glazer 4. The crew attempts both fight and flight and manage to keep themselves alive for a few rounds through a combination of savvy tinkering, gutsy piloting, ace hacking, superlative captaining, and whatever Theophania was fumbling around with. The crew's desperate pleas for assistance catch the attention of one of Anton's former paramours, the captain of a Luxe de Corvette. It seems Anton's D must be grade A because she defies orders and breaks formation despite the fact that the Cold War between the two global powers has turned hot, following the destruction of the Dove of Peace. The Corvette quickly destroys all four remaining vestiges of the ancient being. As the saying goes, Against love the gods themselves contend in vain. Oh wait, sorry, that was supposed to be against stupidity. I have trouble distinguishing the two concepts. The Grace returns to Glazer 4 to retrieve the NPC- Sorry, the fully realized crew members who just for some reason never happen to have agency or narrative focus. The ship limps to the edge of the system, bathed in faint pulses of gamma radiation, as nuclear weapons detonate on the planet. Everyone cheers the sudden and total overthrow of global capitalism- in a way we would never advocate outside of a fictional context. We pause to download a backup of the beloved digital mascot, Nolan Ryan P. Jr., and make a spike jump to Crocia Moore's to lick our wounds and begin a new chapter.
0: Nice. Nice.
3: We just saved you so much time. (laughs) Oh, man. And that's been Astronomica. (laughs) The story so far too, story so farther. (laughs) Two story too far. Oh Part two.
0: Alright, good enough.
3: The official motto of the astronomical <laughs>
1: podcast. Yeah.